Welcome to Bizarro Aficionado. Please, just try and relax. It will only hurt worse if you resist. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of Bizarro Aficionado. I'm Gaz Morgan, and welcome to another month of Bizarro Aficionado. We have a really great show for you this month. Uh, Yesterday, I sat down with self-proclaimed crackpot historian Adam Gorightly, and I love his books. He has written extensively on the Manson family, on uh, Adamski. He has written about Thornley. And his newest book, Saucer Spooks and Kooks, Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius, is a fantastic book, not just covering the rise of the UFO phenomenon and the history of UFO phenomenon, but the weirdos and the government people that's, that have been at its core and its center. And uh, you're really going to love this show, especially if you have Netflix and you've been watching their new release on on UFOs, a uh, season-long documentary on UFOs. This really ties in, and uh, we'll be talking a lot of the about a lot of the same people that uh, really started it off. Because the first thing people think of when it comes to UFOs is uh, either Area 51 or the incident at Roswell, New Mexico, and I, things have been going on before that, and we take it all the way back. And his book really does center around um, certain central theme, and I, I don't want to give it away. I'll let you kind of go in, you know, come into the interview and and uh, kind of learn about the book for yourself if you haven't read it. And if you haven't read it, you need to go get it. I'll have all those links in the show notes to his Amazon, his blog, things like that. And if you've never heard Adam speak, you're in for a treat. He's a super cool guy, and. Uh, he writes some of the most detailed and researched books on on odd phenomenon that you could ever imagine. So you're in for a real treat. Um, not too much homework to do on this episode. Uh, the same old. There's a new logo, which I can't remember if I even mentioned before, but there's a new logo. Just wanted something a little sleeker and a little more, I don't know, new, something different. Because as the show grows, you know, everything should be growing with it. So if you see the new little zombie skull guy and everything with the head, with the gray headphones, that's the new logo. And I will be putting merch out a little bit closer to Christmas. I figure we're all broke right now. I'll wait to Christmas, which will still be broke. But um, other things, uh, people that have uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And to the, uh, the lovely person from uh, Russia, maybe? that uh left a purple heart on the uh 
on my latest episode on there. Thank you so much. That was very sweet. Your name's in Cyrillic, so I have no idea who you are, but thank you. And for everyone who is subscribed on there, I really appreciate you and good stuff. So, yeah, if you really want to help the show, it, it, it's a huge boost. If you subscribe, if you like, if you leave a comment, any of those things, super great for the show. It really helps. Stokes my ego and puts me on cloud nine for a day. I'm like, look, someone actually listens. Who knew? Uh, all these different countries around the world with new listeners. Thank you so much. Um, we're growing in the UK, uh, England, Ireland, um, constantly new downloads and listeners from there. So to all of you, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, I'm also hearing there's a lot of servicemen and women out there in the U S armed forces that are listening and, Man, big, big props and respect out to you guys. And thank you for listening out there. I really appreciate it. And just a thanks to all of you. I, I really do. You know, this is just a tiny little, tiny little show, you know, in a guest room in Delaware. And I, uh, I'm always shocked when I find out people are listening, but, uh, all right, I'm not going to blabber on too much. I'll save that to the end. So let's get into the interview. And, uh, this is my Sitting down with Adam Garightly. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Today, once again. We welcome historian, fringe culture guru, musician, discordian pope, and author of Saucer Spooks and Kooks, UFO Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius, the divine Adam Gorightly. Hey, Gary. Thanks hey. for having me on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned on another show to everyone, uh, you had come on before, and then I had a hard drive incident, and poof. <laughs> I mm -hmm. lost you. And I usually have everything backed up and but I was moving the studio around and I dropped the bulb. So thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, no problem. It happens to everybody who's done a podcast, I think, at one time or another. Uh, technology makes life easier. <laughs> so wanted to have you on and talk about your new book and uh it's fantastic. And it it, it it's definitely a wormhole or rabbit hole rather. So uh, people need to get a hold of it and, and dive down there like I did. So uh, we'll, we'll start where, you know, everyone always starts. I mean, you've written some great books. You've written, you've written about the Manson family and uh, Adamski, which I'm sure will come up in today's talk and um, about Discordianism. And so where did that all come together to, to come to this book. <laughs> <laughs> How did it lead you here? Uh, sheesh. Well, I got involved in some of these uh, topics way back when. Uh, UFOs, paranormals, psychedelics, they all seem to be intertwined. I was, uh, of course, this latest book is on UFO history, so to speak. So I was interested in the uh, topic you know as a 
young guy back in my uh, teens during the uh, era of uh, All in Search of with Leonard Nimoy and oh, yeah. uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and all that uh, type of stuff. So, yeah, I had an interest, desire, and in, uh, – going to other planets or seeing UFOs or whatever. And I uh, uh, basically kind of sort of did that or had a strange experience on LSD with a, a friend of mine in 1979 mm. where we saw some UFOs or saw some somethings. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that, yeah, that kind of got me on the uh, path of quote-unquote uh, Questioning consensus reality Hell yeah. to uh, these different rabbit holes of uh, conspiracy theories and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that is. I uh, I needed better acid, I guess. I, <laughs> <laughs> and plus, you know, I I live in Delaware. You know, the only thing that flies over Delaware is the president. <laughs> and he just flew over. But, well, uh, <laughs> let me let me tell the uh, UFO LSD. Yeah, story. yeah. I mean, I've, I've told it many times, but uh, so yeah, 1979. A, a good friend of mine. We're still good friends. I saw him just a couple weeks ago. Old Joe. Uh, we had a kind of we do have a simpatico of sorts. Uh, write songs together and uh, been really good. Uh, friends and we had this UFO experience together and it uh, started basically we were at a uh, party and uh, we dropped the uh, acid which was uh, Red Dragon which was Ooh. some stuff uh, <laughs> you ever heard of that? I've heard of it I've never found it yeah it was floating around in that period there was Red Dragon, Green Dragon it seemed to be uh, pretty good stuff and the guy who uh, Sold this to it, said, be careful, this is double dipped. Okay. <laughs> Who knows what you know. But, uh, uh, yeah. so we, uh, took it and it started getting a bit intense at the party. So my buddy Joe and I decided we need to get out of here, man. This is just, yeah. walls are closing in and it's too fucking chaotic. So, uh, took out off into, uh, suburbia. <laughs> a different hell of its own uh, yeah. yeah and uh we're walking along we figured it was at night now and so the figured, let's go to the uh levee the ditch bank and kind of get away from yeah. uh, houses and people a little bit and uh right before we got to the levee one of us joked what if we saw some ufos right now no one would believe us and we started laughing our asses as uh you are sometimes want to do on uh, hallucinogens, and um, <laughs> it wasn't but a few minutes later that we saw the uh, first UFO, and it was like uh, classic uh, saucer shape. Then we saw one looked like uh, the classic cigar shape, and they started getting more outlandish to the point where they were almost comical, cartoonish uh, thing with a multicolor propeller. And as we're seeing this stuff and walking down the uh, ditch bank, we're all describing the same thing we're seeing to each other, and we're green. Yeah, we're seeing this uh, craziness, and we saw, God, I, 
I can't even remember the number now, <laughs> seven or eight different types of these oh, wow. craft. Yeah, this kept going on and on. And so we get, you know, walked, a, I don't know, a mile or so in the ditch bank or more, then turned around. And when we got back to the place where we saw the first UFO, uh, a, like a spotlight shone down from the uh, sky like it was coming from a UFO, but there was mm. no UFO there. And <laughs> oh, wow. that, that was the end of the experience, what that light beam shining down meant. If we Maybe if we had been there, uh, we would have got uh, beamed up or yeah. <laughs> our minds have, controlled. Or you what? didn't have any lost time or anything like that with it? or mm, No. Oh, that's good. I yeah, mean, that, that sounded like that could have gone. I <laughs> could have gone sideways. So, oh um, so we uh, we finished, and uh, then with that uh, <laughs> experience, then uh, afterwards we kind of grappled with what the hell had we seen yeah. there. You know, and originally I thought uh, I was convinced it was aliens, but my buddy wasn't quite uh, convinced of that. And later he turned around, and thought, "Yeah, maybe it was aliens." And no, I'm not so sure now. What the fuck we saw, and right. over the next. Uh, couple decades i tried to uh entertained a lot of different notions of what it might have been and uh the one the idea that appeals to me the most is that uh we saw into what john keel called the uh, super spectrum when your Mm. mind's uh tuned to a certain frequency you know like uh Tuning in a radio, you can also do that with uh, different types of uh, meditation, sure. crystal gazing, whatever. Oh, or yeah. as Gil um, noted, uh, sometimes hallucinogens put us in that space where we can see through like a uh, UFO window, call it, or into a uh, another reality that's running parallel with us. So uh, – Maybe that's uh, what yeah. happened, but uh, whatever whatever the case may be, uh, you can call it a hallucinations that we experienced. But if they were, then it was a dual yeah. hallucination because we both saw the uh, same stuff. And just to close that out, I mentioned uh, earlier how before we even uh, saw the UFOs, we joked about seeing UFOs and uh, – I later began to suspect or entertain the idea that we had basically uh, put some type of ritual uh, ritual in motion, a magic ritual where we conjured whatever we saw sure. with, with our own simpatico we had and being under the uh, influence. And throughout the whole experience, yeah, there was that <clears throat> trickster type element or right. the – the uh, feeling that uh, something was uh, communicating with us and we were communicating back and there was some type of symbiotic or, you know, this whole co-creation theory going on that we were uh, in some ways uh, responsible for our own experience. That's brilliant. And this isn't unheard of. I mean, a lot of, you know, the beginnings or a lot of Crowley's work and uh, 
really kind of reflects that and his communication with see if I can remember this the contact's name was Iwas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. Yeah. And Lamb too as well. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. So I mean I I think this is a this is a thing and it, it if hallucinogenics can take us out of our restraints for time and space, then it makes complete sense. And I know a lot of abductees talk about that they were communicated with um psychically or through the mind mm-hmm. or implanted thought. So it would all tie together like that. Mm-hmm. But now in your book, uh, when the book starts out, we're talking about Paul Benowitz and he is most definitely a character. Could you talk a little bit about Paul? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Paul Benowitz was a uh, ran. He was a government contractor. Basically, he was a, a physicist, but also an entrepreneur and started this uh company called uh, Thunder Scientific that uh, did basically they created instruments for um, different type of aircrafts, different type of sensing instruments and other instrumentation. And so he was involved in that, but he was also had an interest in UFOs. We're talking kind of in the late seventies now, Mm -hmm. as well as a cattle mutilation uh, phenomenon. And so Benowitz uh, lived right adjacent to Kirtland Air Force Base. Of course, did a lot of uh, work with the uh, military on these contracts. So uh, it was located right there. And, uh, That's convenient. Late, yeah, <laughs> late, <laughs> late 79, 80-ish, uh, he started seeing UFOs over Kirtland Air Force Base. And a lot of stuff goes on at uh, Kirtland. We're only... Uh, beginning really learning more and more as time passes with Sandia labs mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh high tech experimental stuff going on there and so uh and also what you had located at Kirtland uh during this period was the Monsanto's weapons uh storage area which mm. at that time housed uh, or stored the largest uh, cache of nuclear weapons uh, components. And so that is where uh, Benowitz uh, saw the UFOs there uh, over this Monsanto uh, weapons area, which uh, concerned him, alarmed him. He considered it uh, possibly a national security threat if these, yeah. whatever he was seeing, wasn't our ships. They certainly didn't look like anything uh, that he knew uh, of terrestrial craft. So he started filming these uh, uh, things, whatever they were. And also, uh, you know, the guy was kind of a mad genius uh, dude. And he set up this whole uh, array of uh, different uh, sensing equipments, monitoring equipments to pick up uh, signals and stuff from whatever he was uh, seeing and uh, eventually alerted alerted the uh, security there at Kirtland uh, Air Force Base of these uh, developments because he wanted to, once again, it was a national um, security threat he felt so he needed to share this information he even floated the idea of uh, getting some type of grant from the military so he could look uh, deeper into this and figure out what was uh, 
going on. So that kind of starts the uh, saga of uh, Paul Benowitz, Kirtland, and UFOs, and it uh, uh, got increasingly bizarre from there. Yeah, cause I do I remember right? He was trying to create some sort of beam weapon too. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Uh, let's. Uh, it, it escalated quickly, if I remember. Yeah. Well, let's let's go into Myrna Hansen a little bit. Oh yes, great. That that's kind of where the beam beam weapon. And that's another comes great in. thing about this book is you really get to understand the history of of ufology and that it doesn't just start. At Roswell, which I yeah. people seem to think that was the beginning of it all, and I think Myrna Hansen is the very beginning, isn't it? Well, kind of the beginning of uh, where the Benowitz affairs really kind of <laughs> gets yeah. bizarre and uh, gets connected to uh, the Dulce Base uh, legends. But uh, so Myrna Hansen, this is in May of 1980, as I recall, she. Uh, she and her son were uh, driving near Eagle Nest, uh, New Mexico, and uh, she saw a, a UFO, and a beam came down, like a tractor beam from Star Trek, and sucked a, a cow up into the ship. And then uh, shortly after, she and her son were also beamed up there, there where she witnessed the uh, – E.T. entities uh, basically doing a cattle mutilation there on the ship, uh, slicing and dicing <laughs> the cow. Oh, man. And uh, so that was that was the basic incident. She went it th- through some type of uh, medical procedure or whatnot. And and uh, by the time the cops found her, uh, she was hysterical. She went in. Uh, she uh, contacted the uh, State troopers there in Cimarron, New Mexico, and they didn't—they had no idea what to do with this hysterical young lady. <laughs> no. And uh, but a guy named Gabe Valdez might, because he was a another state trooper who was based out of Dulce, New Mexico, who was kind of knee deep into uh, researching uh, cattle mutilations during this uh, period and how they seemed. Uh, many of these. Uh, Mutilations seem to be connected also to uh, UFO sightings. So they contacted uh, Gabe Valdez, and uh, Gabe was friends with uh, Paul Benowitz. In fact, uh, Benowitz had gone out to Dulce and did a ride-along at night with uh, Gabe Valdez, where they were (laughs) – they'd uh, chase lights in the skies and go – you know, look at the uh, cattle mutilation sites. So they were friends, and uh, uh, Valdez uh, contacted Benowitz about this uh, Myrna Hansen case. Uh, Benowitz was a member of APRO, the uh, UFO okay. group. The I can always uh, forget the uh, actual uh, what the acronym is: oh, Aerial right. Phenomenon oh, Research. Yeah, yeah. Something Something, something. Yeah. UFO, UFO group, basically. And uh, so uh, Benowitz had contacts there, and through uh, APRO, he was able to uh, bring in the services of Leo Sprinkle, who'd been involved in uh, 
basically uh, doing hypnotic regressions on uh, so-called uh, abductees or hmm. UFO experiencers back in the uh, 70s. So he got brought in on the case, and uh, they started doing hypnotic regressions and uh, doing them at Benowitz's house, and at by this time, however, this <laughs> evolved. Uh, Benowitz became convinced that the uh, aliens, uh, that there was basically an alien plot to take over the uh, planet. And uh, so he uh, did the, conducted the uh, this hypnotic uh, regression sessions in his Lincoln Town car, and he insisted that all the <laughs> all the windows be covered with a couple layers of aluminum foil oh, because he believed the uh, ETs were uh, would uh, try to tamper with the regression session, you know. <laughs> try to mess with her mind, uh, Myrna's mind, so she would not uh, remember. Anyway, uh, Hansen, as she went through these uh, sessions, started remembering other experiences uh, she had with the ETs or perceived ETs. Uh, one such had to do with an abduction where she was taken to an underground uh, facility. You know, once again, yeah. Uh, she went under, you know, some type of medical procedures and whatnot. And at one point, she broke free and started running through this oh. place. And she encountered a bunch of alien-human uh, hybrids and vats, uh, you know, which is <laughs> type of stuff we would see a couple decades later in uh, X Files. Oh yeah, became a trope. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ultimately, uh, Benowitz uh, began to believe that this underground facility where Hansen had been taken was in uh, Dulce, New Mexico. And thus ah, begun, <laughs> begins there it is. The, the Dulce Base uh, legends. Now, um, so Benowitz was trying, and I'll get to the uh, beam gun in a minute because <laughs> you put that up. So, Benowitz was trying to uh, convince the military to take this uh, seriously, but they seemed to be blowing him off. And he was uh, reaching out to different uh, politicians and, uh, you know, sending letters of what was uh, going on. One of these uh, early letters went to Senator uh, Pete Domenici. Hmm. That's how you pronounce the name. That's a mouthful. He was a uh, U.S. senator for New Mexico. Also another uh, senator was Harrison Schmidt, a former uh, moonwalking astronaut. So these are the type of people. He also contacted uh, Ronald Reagan oh, and put together this report called uh, Project Beta about oh, yeah. alien menace and uh, – and uh, one of the things he was talks about was creating a space gun, ray gun beam that he was convinced could uh, destroy the aliens. And what? So he was sending out this report and letters. And one of the letters he sent out, I think it was to Domenici again, 
noted a few things. One of them, he talks about an abandoned base where the humans, there was some type of treaty between the aliens and humans. And uh, 66 of the uh, humans there either abandoned the base or disappeared, Mm. or it wasn't really clear from this uh, letter of his. But that became one of the early uh, narratives in the so-called Dulce base uh, story that other people picked up on this uh, material from Benowitz and uh, basically began to confabulate or <laughs> add yeah. on to the story over the time with maybe knowing disinformation or unknowing misinformation. And uh, so that kind of started the uh, how Dulce became involved. Also, uh, Richard Doty, who's kind of a legendary, oh, yes. infamous uh, figure, was – working at Kirtland for AFOSI, Air Force Office of Special Investigation. He was assigned to Benowitz uh, to monitor his activities because they were concerned what the stuff, the uh, photographs, the video footage, the different signals he was uh, intercepting were all part of different secret programs that are uh, going on at Kirtland Base. Not so much uh, UFOs, but secret stealth aircraft and also hmm. uh, cutting-edge stuff having to do with laser communications. And huh. uh, so they were concerned some of these was, was you know, coded uh, – uh, coded messaging, encrypted sis, uh, system going on, you know, with these lasers and whatever stuff they were sending out. So they became, became concerned that uh, Benowitz would uh, be able to decode what was going on and that right. he might share this with uh, adversaries of the U.S. So that, that was the uh, supposed motivation that uh, Doty got involved, and uh, according to different accounts, he started kind of trying to push uh, Benowitz's attention, divert his attention from Kirtland, and uh, direct him to uh, Dulce, where they could uh, stage uh, different stuff and manipulate him into believing there was an alien menace, basically <laughs> to, to uh, discredit him. Sure, right, and then if he was giving secrets away or doing that, then he would just be giving away, again, disinformation. Mm-hmm. But now he had this computer that he would hear the aliens on. Wasn't it something like that? Mm-hmm. Or the, Did he build that, or did the government give him a computer? Yeah, so the story is, and uh, this was first, kind of discovered by Greg Bishop, and he wrote about it in his book, uh, Project Beta, which is another good book on this theme. But uh, Bishop is, is, was, is friends with uh, Bill Moore, who's a prominent UFO researcher uh, back in those days and actually uh, (laughs) plays a pretty major role in this overall story in the book. But anyway... Uh, Bill Moore uh, was having adult beverages with uh, Alan Hynek, mm. Dr. Alan Hynek, famous uh, UFO researcher, you know, uh, yeah. 
they model the character after uh, close encounters on him. And he was, you know, one of the uh, authors of uh, involved in Project uh, Blue Book. And at this time, we're talking uh, late 70s, early 80s, he still was on contract uh, with the uh, U.S. government and the Air Force uh, specifically. Uh, and according to Hynek, uh, he told Bill Moore that uh, he had uh, gifted a, a computer to uh, Benowitz that had uh, some software built into it that would allow him to speak to the aliens. And that uh, even though uh, Heineck didn't tell uh, Benowitz at the time, the Air Force had uh, put in that uh, software. And, uh, you know, so that that was the first. Uh, Bishop was the first one to report that, but in uh, subsequent years, others have confirmed that he did have this uh, computer at his house, allowing him to talk to aliens, and it was also bringing up very primitive computer imagery as oh, well. Wow. And um, so he would, yeah, sit there and talk to the aliens. Uh, Greg Valdez, who was Gabe Valdez's son, they visited him there, and he, they saw him working with this uh, computer. Uh, Doty also, he can't believe everything he says, but he says he was also there when uh, Benowitz was uh, talking to this uh, computer. And this is where Benowitz evolved this theory about these aliens at uh, Dulce base and whatnot. And he was uh, speaking directly to, it was more than <laughs> one aliens. There was bad right. aliens, good aliens, etc. Anyway, of course. Uh, that's that's kind of the story about the computer, but you know if you uh, also look, I mean that's like an obvious way they could have been monitoring and spying on oh, yeah. Benowitz by putting this uh, computer that was uh, you know recording and monitoring uh, his activities and also uh, theoretically kind of messing with his mind by pretending they were. Uh, Aliens talking to him. It, it's it's like one misdirection from another. So then mm -hmm. even the people that are spreading it don't even probably realize that they're spreading it. You know, right. just which is masterful uh, bit of psyops. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And then uh, oh yes, the beam weapon. Uh, I. I don't can't tell you, <laughs> you much about that. Right, but, right. Uh, I mean, it's in the uh, Project right. Beta, Beta report. Oh, he, right, uh, right. And claimed, and he told this to politicians too. That he was uh, developing this uh, space gun, beam gun, whatever, and it was almost uh, complete. And he was convinced it would uh, destroy the aliens. Crazy. Now, there's a lot of characters in your book, and you know. It's the best title, most apt titled <laughs> book ever, because there are so many, so many spooks, kooks, and I think one of the one of the best and one of my favorite is Talavesque or Jason Bishop, depending mm -hmm. <laughs> from there. And I do I understand, Craig, that you got to meet him in real life? Oh yeah, yep. What uh, how did that go down? And what? Was he going to try and manipulate to you, do you think? Or was he just kind of just there? Or how did it go? 
Uh, yeah, there's a whole uh, chapter called My Breakfast with Tal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's kind of basically where this, how this book got started. Uh, met uh, Tal in uh, 2007, kind of where this book uh, started with my interactions with Tal Levesque. And this goes back to like 2007, 2008. I had received an email from uh, the handle on the email was Questal, Quest hmm. and Tal, T-A-L, one word. <clears throat> I didn't know who it was, but uh, whoever this email sender was uh, said they were working on a potential uh, series called uh, Mysterious Mariposa about paranormal events <laughs> around Mariposa California, which is not too right. far from me. So he, he, she, whoever this was, was contacting me to see, to pick uh, my brain. And they also mentioned that they had uh, helped produce a recent episode of UFO Hunters on underground bases, you know. Mm. And so I didn't know quite what to make of the email. It sounded interesting. I contacted uh, Bill and Nancy Burns, you know. Bill was the head <laughs> UFO hunters, so right. to speak. I said, do you know this email address? Uh, and he said, yeah, that guy knows things. That's Tal Levesque. I said, oh, okay, that mm. kind of name kind of rings a bell. And so I began corresponding with uh, Tal, and, of course, we met for uh, breakfast. And, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, uh, let's see, where was I going with this? So. Basically, uh, you know, over time I began uh, learning more about uh, Tal and his role with not only the kind of promotion or the legend of the Dulce base, but he had been involved in like paranormal and conspiracy research and uh, UFOs going back many, many years and kind of cut his teeth in the early days as a – friend and kind of protege of Richard uh, Shaver of the Shaver Mysteries. Uh, hopefully your listeners are kind of aware of uh, what the Shaver Mystery was. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we I'll talk. Yeah, about, we can talk, definitely talk well, about that. Just one rabbit hole after another. But the uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Shaver Mystery uh, – basically started in the uh, 1940s with Amazing Stories magazine, which was a uh, science fiction magazine of that uh, period. And they had a letter section, and uh, they get, you know, some kind of crank letters sometimes that they like to publish. And uh, one of them came from this Shaver character claiming he had uh, discovered or rediscovered this ancient language called Mantong, which was basically kind of like the Akashic records of uh, people talk about in uh, occult circles. Right. And that Shaver had what he called racial memories where he knew about the uh, true and hidden history of the uh, planet, which dealt with – Space travelers that came to Earth long, long ago, the uh, what were they called? The Atlans and the Terrans, I think. And mm. uh, they were here on uh, 
Earth uh, during kind of the Atlantis uh, period, and they had this wonderful technology, and things were going swell until the sun, uh, the effects of the sun started screwing with their uh, physical health, the rays of the sun. And uh, it was so, it got so bad they decided they had to get the heck off the uh, planet. And so those who did had uh, spaceships bugged out, but uh, unfortunately not all of the uh, space people were able to leave uh, Earth, and some went underground. They eventually, those underground dwellers became this sanities uh, uh, yeah. who devolved and deformed into a race called the Deros. Right. And so... Um, Shaver discovered the Deros through his uh, welding equipment. He worked uh, for Bethlehem Steel in Pittsburgh. And he started, uh, as he was welding, hearing the voices of his, uh, or the thoughts of his co-workers. And he believed they were being influenced uh, negatively by these other entities who he also started hearing their voices, the Deros. And so this was like the beginning of the... uh, Basically, the Shaver mysteries, all these stories about the uh, Deros and how they were fucking with the human uh, race. (laughs) They were evil little bastards who uh, took uh, women, uh, abducted women and uh, hooked Hmm. them up with sexual stimulation devices and and had a grand old time. So this, you know, this was the... uh, Shaver mystery stories that they were these entities uh, and these vast caverns in the inner earth, and there's also this ancient uh, Dura, this ancient machinery in there, and all these stories that you know, the Shaver mystery stories that right. uh, even though uh, it was a science fiction magazine, uh, Shaver and his publisher Ray Palmer claimed that these were basically true stories that uh, Shaver was. Uh, telling in these in a kind of a fictional framework and it became a huge uh sensation and uh really wildly popular within science fiction fandom and also uh pretty controversial because uh you know the hardcore science fiction fans nuts and bolts types didn't like it because they thought shaver and uh Palmer perpetuating a hoax, you know. Sure. And uh, like kind of ultimately would destroy science fiction as a literary form. So those are kind of the arguments (laughs) raging back then. But anyway, it became a thing during the 1940s, the Shaver mystery. And it got a lot of people involved in researching inner earth mysteries and that type of stuff. And one of those guys was Tal Levesque, who became friends with Richard Shaver and also with his wife, Mary Martin started a uh, zine back in the seventies called the hollow earth hassle. Oh my goodness. And so that kind of, uh, that that was part of Tal's uh, background. And in the uh, seventies, late seventies, he was interacting with other researchers and he, you can see some maps online. And I also have, uh, at my Chasing UFOs uh, blog, I have some links to some of uh, to Tal Levesque and uh, the various maps he did that still are floating around these days that do with have to deal with 
dumbs, deep underground military bases that are all connected mm. by in this uh, underground uh, network that are a combination of a lot of these old caverns that are under Earth that have been expanded over time with uh, more recent uh, technology. And so all these yeah. underground bases are connected, and some of them are theoretically alien bases. So that's where kind of Tal cut his teeth and became known in you know these like subcultures of conspiracy and uh, – UFO research, and uh, he later would play a huge role in, as I said, uh, promoting this uh, Dulce base mythos, which uh, probably can bring us to talk about the uh, Dulce papers if you want to go there. All right? Yeah, that'd be great. Benowitz he planted uh, these some of these seeds, uh, probably with the help of. Uh, uh, being disinformed by uh, Richard Doty to a certain right. extent, but these these things were getting out there about this uh, underground uh, base, possibly in uh, Dulce, New Mexico. Other researchers became uh, interested in uh, Benowitz's story as well, like Linda Moulton Howe. Yeah. Of course, Bill Moore, I mentioned him, and they got really sucked in these different researchers into this uh, disinformation campaign that uh, Doty was running, uh, either wittingly or uh, unwittingly. And so uh, by the uh, mid to late 80s, Benowitz had kind of disappeared uh, from the scene. He'd been committed uh, to a... uh, mental facility by his family be, uh, for a period of time because he really mm. went off the uh, deep end at one point. He felt the uh, ETs were breaking into his home and shooting it, oh, shooting him up with drugs and all this, uh, all these things. Uh, but other people picked up the Dulce base uh, torch and uh, we talked about the Dulce papers. Uh, so by 1988 or so, uh, Benowitz uh, kind of left the scene now, but uh, other people picked it up, like uh, John Lear, for instance. And uh, there was a um, – I write about it in the book. There was this thing called the Crestone Conference in 1987. Okay. It was right. a bunch of uh, UFO researchers. It wasn't a full-blown UFO conference. It was more like a – a meeting with these uh, prominent UFO researchers at the time who included uh, John Lear, who's kind of uh, new on the scene. Uh, my buddy David Perkins was there. He writes the introduction to my book, Linda Moulton Howe, and others. And uh, Bill Moore had talked about this uh, Crestone Conference as kind of the meetings, a meeting of the minds where the whole Dulce base story kind of got uh, fleshed out, and a lot of the memes and tropes uh, that would later uh, become prominent in ufologies, uh, like the Greys, for instance. Uh, right. These type of things were all discussed and uh, really came uh, directly out of the uh, Benowitz, affair, uh, Benowitz affair and his 
you know, these reports he had written, he had mentioned Krays and these other alien races, and like you mentioned, that uh, ray gun he had, and about this, yeah. this conflict, that some type of conflict that happened at this base. So that's what uh, Lear and these other folks were uh, picking up on. And uh, at that Crestone conference, uh, uh, a researcher named Tom Adams, who also plays kind of a big part in the story, he was like the preeminent cattle mutilation researcher. He had been contacted uh, by a woman who was going by the name of Ann West, who claims that she knew a couple people who worked at the uh, Dulce base that were like intelligence uh officers or something sure. to that effect. And uh, Tom Adams had this letter from Ann West, and he didn't know quite to do with it, what to do with it. Uh, so he passed it on to John Lear. John Lear was living in uh, Las Vegas, and so was Ann West. So uh, Tom Adams passed it on to Lear, and Lear uh, afterwards uh, sought out uh, Ann West to get uh, to find out what she knew about this uh, Dulce base, and that ultimately resulted in what are known as the Dulce Papers. Once again, you can find those if you go to uh, Chasing My Chasing UFOs blog, and there's like a uh, Saucer Spooks and Kooks uh, resource page that shows a lot of these uh, documents. But what the Dulce Papers were. Basically, uh, they told the tale of how this uh, security officer had uh, basically got caught up in this confrontation, the Dulce War, and uh, mm. using a flash gun, <laughs> which oh. apparently could vaporize the aliens, he was able of course. to escape. Uh, a lot of his compatriots uh, died those in the resistance uh, who are trying to uh, basically blow the whistle and uh, counteract what the aliens were doing with this secret uh, program where they were ba basically uh, abducting uh, humans to use for experiments. So this uh, security worker, his name was supposedly Tom Castello, was part of this uh, Revolt, and he escaped with a bunch of video footage and uh, photographs, etc., and went on the lam. Notice uh, I mentioned the flash gun. That's kind of, I think that was also based on, uh, you know, the uh, Paul Benowitz uh, ray guns. So yeah. A lot of these elements are getting woven into the uh, story. And also the Dulce papers, there's like some. Uh, hand-drawn illustrations of the little alien hybrid in the vats and that whole thing. And so those uh, papers were released, and uh, by basically uh, Lear was behind releasing them, and at, uh, the story kind of changed over time. At first he said it was a gentleman who gave him the papers, and it later became a woman named... Ann West, and over time it was revealed that her real name is uh, Cherry Hinkle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so the story Cherry Hinkle, uh, so the story kind of evolved. There was other writer researchers who got involved in uh, looking into the Dulce uh, story, but really the first person to write an in-depth article 
called the Dulce Base was somebody called, used the name Jason Bishop, who was in actuality Tal Levesque. Levesque, right. And uh, Levesque was networking with the, these other researchers, including John Lear and Val Valerian was one who wrote the Matrix series, and also Branton did a lot of writings uh, back in the day on uh, Dulce, but they were all... The basic uh, inspiration source of this material was, uh, you know, the Dulce papers and also this article that uh, Tal Levesque had written called the Dulce Base. So anyway, these other researchers, about half a dozen, started putting out their own uh, Dulce-related articles that used mm. a little bit of Tal Levesque's material, but then put their own spin here, and there was other like uh, so-called Dulce experiencers uh, starting to come forth, you know, join the bandwagon. So it looked like all these different uh, sources were basically corroborating each other, you know, to give the uh, story more substance. But really, as I discovered over time, it it all came from uh, basically uh, Tal Levesque and – Wow. To a certain extent, John Lear, and, and all modeled on you know the uh, story, uh, some of the stuff that uh, Paul Benowitz was talking about a uh, decade before that. And so these these papers made a pretty big stir, 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 <laughs> <laughs> a pretty big splash in um, yeah. ufology. And of course, we mentioned how much of an influence a lot of this stuff. Later was on, uh, you know, contemporary or popular culture with the X-Files and whatnot. I mean, was it just to slowly discredit anyone that comes forward? Or do you think that maybe they wanted some, not truth about Dulcie, but they want to keep, try how to try say it, keep aliens in the sort of mind stream of people, but within a limited aspect in order to keep heading towards sort of a mundane understanding. I, I'm not saying that terribly. I'm not high enough for the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically what I'm saying is that disinformation to not only disprove, but to also sort of keep it in the mind frame. So it, Oh, aliens. Oh yeah, probably they're out there and that they could eventually have a disclosure. Well, <laughs> or was that just so rattled I should have smoked before we started? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you what I think part of uh, Tal's motivation was. Yeah. It wasn't uh, strictly uh, disinformation. I don't know if, uh, you know, Tal worked for many years as a uh, security guard for different uh, facilities. So it's kind of assumed he had some type hmm. of... Uh, Clearance, and uh, yeah. he claimed, yeah, he had knowledge of these uh, underground bases going back many years, and he was also the first one who brought forth a lot of the uh, RAND materials of these tunnel boring machines and, uh, like, uh, these shuttle underground shuttle systems and all of this right. uh, stuff, and uh, he was... Basically, there's different uh, tellings of the uh, story, how he got that material. He either worked for 
Rand at one point, or he said he fished stuff out of a dumpster. But later, this mm. became a big part of the uh, narrative around the uh, dumbs, the deep underground military right. bases. And it was uh, these materials were later published. Uh, oh, who was the guy who published? Uh, his name uh, escapes me now, but. Uh, Another researcher published a lot of Tal's materials, but that's how Tal worked behind the uh, scenes. He never wanted to be the uh, front man, so he, hmm. he uh, had a bunch of uh, spokespeople to a certain uh, extent or front people uh, for him that uh, he basically uh, fed information. That's how he chose to get it out there, but... Uh, so, yeah, he had these knowledge of supposed knowledge of underground bases and uh, worked at these uh, f facilities and whatnot. And as people started, you know, in this late 80s period, uh, pulling this uh, story together about the Ann West, Sherry Hinkle, her claim was mm. that, you know, they were asking, well, where did she get this material? And she said, well, she got it. She was friends with... Uh, Thomas Castello, that was oh, the okay. security worker, right, that uh, had, yeah. had the flash gun and gotten to shoot him up with the aliens and hightailed it out there with all this uh, whistleblower material. And uh, Castello reached out, allegedly, to different researchers, one of whom was uh, Cherry Hinkle and shared this uh, material, and he claimed if he ever got uh, – she didn't hear from him, you know, for like a six-month period, then go ahead and release it. And that uh, was supposedly the motivation for releasing the uh, Dulce papers. But Hinkle claimed that, yeah, she visited uh, – Castello lived in San Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. And uh, that there was a – a lot of the Dulce workers supposedly lived in Santa Fe, and there was an underground shuttle system that they took to uh, – Dulce each day, and that uh, Tal, she also met with Tal, this is 1979 when she visited hmm. Santa Fe, so she met Tal and Thomas Costello separately during this uh, same weekend when she learned from Costello that there was some weird shit going on right. in uh, Dulce, and uh, Tal also claimed that he had lived in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and knew uh, Paul Benowitz as well. And so as this story began to shape over time, I, uh, it seemed to me that uh, basically this Thomas Castello was a com composite character put together based kind of on uh, Tal's own experience and Paul Benowitz. It kind of morphed it all together to create this uh, character to tell this larger story. And I think part of Tal's motivation was that uh, he felt there was uh, all this activity going on uh, in these underground bases that he wanted to uh, the general populace to become more aware of. And so that was kind of his rollout and you know, getting some of that uh, information out there to put a highlight on, you know, what was going on with these uh, secret bases and to kind of make the story more sexier or to bring it into a more odd, uh, modern age. You brought in the aliens yeah. as opposed to, you know, Richard Shavo, Shaver's Deros. Right, right. 
And so, in some ways, uh, Tal was trying to tell a greater story. And I asked him time and again, you know, is this, was this a composite character? No, no, no. Thomas Castello was a real guy, you know. And we went round and round for quite a while until at the last he finally uh, broke down and uh, sent me a uh, email in 2015 admitting that, uh, yeah, he had uh, devised much of the uh, Dulce Bay story. And mm. I, I should read the letter I got from Tal. Where oh, he, that'd be great. This is the appendix to the book, and I write, During our multi-year correspondence, Tal repeatedly claimed that uh, Thomas Castello was a real person and the Dulce base material was authentic. Nonetheless, I continued to press him during our email exchanges, never directly calling him out on what I suspected his role was in the creation of the Dulce base mythos, just asking the question again and again in different ways until at last the dam broke and uh, Tal shared the truth, or at least something close to that. The, que- right. the question I posed that elicited Tal's final email to me concerned an alleged interview of Thomas Edwin Costello that surfaced in the late 1980s, an artifact which I always assumed originated with Tal. My question was, quote, when did this interview with Castello take place? I thought he was hiding after 1989, end quote. Tal's email response was as follows, and this is Tal writing in the email, quote, You still do not get it. Tech yeah. is a creation, a myth. Tech being Thomas Edwin Costello. I, right. t- I took the rantings from a heavily drugged prescription pills woman, Cherry Hinkle, made corrections to stuff that was really wrong, added my own real research, mixed it all together. Literally, I made a 100 large envelope packets with supporting material, real stuff about underground bases, genetic research, hidden science, R&D, etc., and sent the material to authors and lecturers, but then mixed it who then mixed it into their talks, articles, and books. This made it look like it was coming from more than one source. You Hmm. see, I had a copy of the 1959 RAND project on deep construction. My friend's father designed improvements on the tube shuttle system. He worked with uh, Warner Von Braun. I would go on vacations with them to Edwards Air Force Base, VIP stuff. My father worked for Magic, M A. J I C, you know, huh. uh, the, the magic uh, group that was supposedly investigating UFOs or whatever. Right. Tal goes on. I worked in advanced uh, project development later as counterintelligence and a security supervisor. I mixed stuff I was not supposed to make public into the Dulce myth. The goal, you were asking what the goal was, at least right. that's what Tal told me. Quote, the goal was to manipulate ufology into another direction, away from the boring lights in the sky stuff, to effect hmm. the public imagination. I was behind a mind game. When it caught on, I could not reveal what was true and what was not. I had to prote- protect that Sherry Hinkle was out of her mind and keep it going. Later, Sherry and I had a falling out when she went public on Facebook saying she was the secret source of the Dulce materials. But source of what? 
Have you ever read any of her porno dulcy revelations? We won't get into now, now <laughs> that now, but he gets back to the uh, Tal this uh, supposed interview with uh, Thomas Castello. He says the interview never happened. It was creative writing. Hmm. I asked several people to submit questions for uh, Castello, then sent them to Sherry. This was done twice. She answered the question as if she was uh, Castello. I do not think he ever existed, but I'm not going public with that opinion. Are you kidding? Look at how the Dulce myth has changed ufology in science fiction. I'm not mm. going to fuck with it now. I hope you don't either. Cher <laughs> Cherry sent back answers from uh, Castello. Cherry was uh, heavy into channeling Castello on the typewriter. Answers would appear at times. She said, I don't remember typing that. I cleaned up her stuff and sent it out to people who asked the questions, other authors, etc. Then that got spread around. As long as I did not come forward, I was in a big loop of ever grow of ever and I was in a big loop of an ever growing myth. Now, here's the problem. Only certain things caught on. People didn't respond to certain real things. They loved the sensational. I have clues to real stuff. There is a base in Arizona, so I connected it on a map to Dulce, then started connecting more bases. Some I knew were already connected. Others I connected were tunnel links I wanted the DOD to create. So the myth covers up the truth. That is why, even though threatened twice and following their instructions to stay alive, I'm still here. Now, here's the other problem. There is a base at Mount Archuleta, Section D. He's talking about Dulce here. Right. There is an entrance, too, really, in the city of Dulce and at least two more outside of town. One is a mine that connects to the system. Huh. Everything is linked to Los Alamos, and that is and that tunnel connected to Santa Fe and then to Sandia Base or Kirtland. These are all real. So here we go again, myself and a faction within the hidden alternative military science civilization have been working on ways to reveal majestic, remember uh -huh. the secret group, yeah. which is real to the public and still protect its existence. See the problem? We yeah. must mix things up. No real exact locations to the public. We cannot risk anyone getting into the system. I have been down there in my work as a security officer. I have protected the physical access to certain locations. But I can reveal I can't reveal anything until I'm advised not to. Anything else I want. It is my part of the job to test security and to locate those who might be getting too close. This puts me in danger in various factions who do not know what I'm up to and who I really am and what my clearance level is. I can get out of many most situations if not killed first. There is a code, a number, let's say an agency that does its best to protect me from others and outside the system. Why am I telling you to expand your mind? What you see around you is like Disney World in Florida, designed by a think tank and construction overseen by the military. The control system is below the park. Some of the in the USA for over 200 years, an alternative civilization below lives below the surface. This is what the game is. 99% of the surface populations are unaware about how advanced our fellow human humans really are. It is 
ultra top secret. Well, something, something majestic. Blah, 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 blah. The yeah. game, anyway, he finishes, the game is in the mind. One group has been manipulating all of humanity for almost forever. This is a prison planet. Humans do not live this way, and other non-surface or off-planet cultures. We do not die at physical death. We exist before coming here to infiltrate and alter this hologram, virtual reality. It does not exist when you are not looking at it. It is an alternate. The fucked controllers are gaming the other players. We are exposing it as much as possible while trying to stay in the game. When you pass from your current body, you are going to then know that you are still conscious. You still exist. The game is not over. They will try and trick you into returning to the controlled system, but they need you to agree. An act of will can stop them. We agents from the plasma world can come back here on our own accord just to fuck with the controllers again, or we can return to one of the many worlds for some well-deserved R&R. We cannot reveal the truth or we quickly get attacked by stupid people who are caught up in BS mind slave idea constraints. So back to my job, cosmic security visor and Z O N priest, whatever that is. Most finishes most all of the above is BS. This is my job. Get it made you think this is my job. (laughs) <laughs> nice. I forgot how long that uh, letter was. <laughs> Sorry about that. But... <laughs> where, where do you even go from that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but don't know. He's, he's basically, uh, uh, you know, confirmed that me to me he created this myth. It had a huge right. role in the Dulce base mythos, but it was for a higher, greater purpose to awaken of uh, mankind. So maybe there is a Dulce, but it's not in Dulce. Well, that's part of the problem. One of the things he pointed out was that they'll – you see, you really see this, uh, oh boy, all the time and with a lot of these particularly UFO stories, but conspiracy stories. There might be some truth behind it, but sure. they, he talks about changing the names or using different names, and that that's part of the strategy I've heard that was used – Around uh, uh, with the Dulce base, they take talk about uh, it was located under Mount Archuleta, but also mm. located under Archuleta Mesa, which are two different uh, places. So they kind of mix things up like that, so no one could uh, find figure it out, figure out the entrances. But what uh, really comes out of my book, and this is based on. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Greg Valdez, who was uh, Gabe Valdez's uh, son, spent a lot of time researching the uh, Dulce area. He believes that there was some sort of uh, small base or research lab there at uh, one point that was connected to the uh, cattle mutilations, that it was a uh, clandestine government uh research uh experimental uh project where they were mm-hmm. um, gathering uh and you know basically looking at the radiation levels of uh cattle to because there right. there'd been these uh 
Project Gasbug. Yeah, I talk about yeah. like these exper- experimental uh, atomic explosions back in the uh, 60s that uh, released uh, radiation into the area. So, you know, part of that might have been this project to test these, uh, basically these cattles at this uh, installation. There's also, you know, these reports of uh, UFOs and black helicopters and a a crash of a stealth aircraft. So all these uh, factors were kind of uh, all coming together in this uh, story. And I forgot what point I was going to try to make here. (laughs) Oh, you you were asking about a real base there. Yeah, there there was – most agree there is there's no base there now, but there was a lot of uh, activity uh, back in the day. And what uh, during that Benowitz period? One of the things Benowitz stumbled upon to somehow was that if he uh, changed the uh, shutter setting on his camera to one one thousandth and just take random uh, photos. Uh, later you'd see ufos appear in those photos so huh. he'd figured out this method to get a uh, sound like to get around the like the uh, cloning uh, systems that these uh, aircraft were using that's some of the same stuff that uh, greg and gabe valdez and that group when they went out to uh Dulce and Archuleta Mesa, they took random photos and later they saw <laughs> aircrafts, aircraft in oh. those photos and they had uh, connections to Sandia Labs. They <clears throat> took the photos, some of the photos there and they got blown up and they revealed military aircraft <clears throat> that, that obviously <laughs> were basically invisible to the uh, naked eye when they were out there uh, shooting those uh, photographs. But once again, they uh, would show up on this method that was devised by uh, Benowitz of using this other uh, one in 1,000th uh, shutter setting. Wow. And and there was reports of these crafts flying in and out of Archuleta, Mesa, and they did – Valdez and some of the others uh, discovered uh, uh, basically a duct system to let you know the air out of something was going. They had some type of uh, something going on where they needed to set up a uh, ventilation uh, system, and so they discovered some of those uh, ventilation shafts as well. Wow, and that, that's more than you're, they're finding at Skinwalker, which also has a mesa, <laughs> yeah. and talk of underground bases, and then everyone's favorite, Robert Bigelow. Yeah, yeah. Now, did now did Robert Bigelow factor into some of these earlier things, uh, such as, uh, I'm going to murder, Archulate, is it Archulatum? Is that how you say it? Archulatum Mesa. Archulatum. Yeah, I can't say it. Archulatum Mesa. That's um, it. Well, he does factor into the uh, overall story and a lot of the uh, players who have been involved in these various uh, UFO stories that are all kind of connected together. And I get uh, into that a bit in my book about uh, the MJ-12 papers in Area 51 and uh, Dulce Base uh, 
Oh yeah, Serpo. Even later, everything. Even later, Serpo, uh, Bigelow, or the players involved with Bigelow, uh, are really kind of involved at, in the early days. In the uh, like in the early seventies, you had Hal Pudoff, who's a uh, research uh, science scientist, as well as Kit Green, who is like a science. Uh, Officer for the uh, CIA back in 72 ran this uh, project uh, called uh, Project Stargate, <clears throat> where they were basically uh, using psychic phenomena to uh, or, or psychics to remote view uh, possible realities. And one of those was uh, UFO sightings. Remember, this involved uh, Yuri Geller and other uh, right. oh, psychics, right. and was uh, funded uh, clandestinely by the uh, CIA through the Stanford Research Institute. Now, <clears throat> Bigelow uh, really started hearing about him in the uh, mid-90s when he created NIDS, the National Institute of Discovery Science. And he brought together a lot of these uh, players that were supposedly part of what was known as the aviary that was talked about during the 1980s, who was who were connected with uh, Richard Doty and uh, mm. Bill Moore and Hal Pudoff. He he was among this group called the aviary, as well as John Alexander, who worked at. Uh, Los Alamos and had a uh, interest in a lot of the woo stuff and later uh, was involved with uh, a lot of this non-lethal weaponry. And uh, who else was involved? There was a number of uh, <clears throat> these figures that were uh, retired or were current military intelligence officers that were part of this uh, aviary uh, group uh, back into the day that were uh, basically promoting a lot of these uh, same uh, stories dealing with uh, Roswell, MJ-12, uh, etc. And and so, you know, there was a lot of interest in this group uh, yeah. back during that period. Were they involved in disinformation or were they genuinely uh, right. trying to bring out uh, UFO disclosure? But uh, so... Some of these characters involved with the aviary later uh, in the mid-90s were involved with NIDS, which Robert Bigelow uh, funded, and they were looking into, once again, cattle mutilations and uh, stealth technology or the, you know, the uh, basically pyramid-shaped uh, uh, craft hmm. that everybody was seeing right. back then. That's during the same period that he purchased uh, Skinwalker Ranch, and they were working yeah. closely with uh, MUFON. He had gained access to a bunch of the abduction and different uh, case files for MUFON, and um, a lot of people uh, had, well, some people involved in all these activities had negative things to, <laughs> some uh, had negative uh, views to express about uh, 
Bigelow that he was trying to basically vacuum up and suck up all this uh, information for some reason. But he, Bigelow had been involved uh, in the aerospace industry, government uh, contracts, but also was a uh, UFO enthusiast and UFO believer, uh, you know. It's trying to yeah. push this subject in a weird way more out into the uh, mainstream. And you were asking me, was uh, Bigelow, what was Bigelow involved with? And that's really when uh, uh, he, uh, you know, got involved in the scene, as far as I can tell, was in the uh, mid-90s with uh, Skinwalker Ranch. But all these players have con- Continually, continue to to pop up every decade or so, involved in uh, different things. And one of those was, you know, the most recent uh, incarnation of uh, supposed UFO disclosure that was going to come through the uh, to the Stars Academy and uh, right these revelations of this secret government uh, UFO program called uh, ATIP. Right and. Uh, once again, uh, Hal Pudoff, uh, who, you know, going back, <laughs> had been involved with Biggs and Bigelow and Nids and all the way back to the uh, Project Stargate back in the uh, early 1970s. And, yeah, and, it, and, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just going to say that the remote viewing is another thing, uh, aspect that uh, recurs seems to recur again and again with a lot of these uh, stories that indeed there was uh, military remote viewers and uh, people in and out of the uh, military that uh, were involved in remote viewing uh, UFOs. And one of these guys guys was a name by the name of Del Graff, who uh, worked at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, for uh, it, it, he was he was considered one of the aviary as well, and he had an informal remote viewing group in the uh, '70s that uh, yes. apparently remote viewed the uh, Roswell crash. Oh, and that that brings in <laughs> people like Russell Targ and Ingo Swan, and yeah, man, but, it, it's but, crazy how everything links up. They were they were all part of that. And one of the things I suspect maybe uh, is going on here with like the MJ-12 papers, which uh, basically some uh, supposed top secret documents that were most likely hoaxed, but they caused a big stir right. in ufology in uh, the mid '80s, claiming that there'd been this uh, secret government group, Majestic 12. Same guy Talavesque was talking about earlier. Yeah. And that they – it was a briefing paper they gave to Eisenhower about different uh, UFO crashes. One of them was uh, Roswell and uh, that they had a- aliens in captivity and all this uh, type of stuff. And one of my uh, theories is that uh, the MJ-12 papers uh, – even though hoaxed, uh, the perpetrators of that, whoever they were, a lot of people have their suspicions, maybe Richard sure. Doty, Bill Moore, whatever. But they were basically putting those out there to try to see if they could confirm the remote viewing 
revelations by uh, these remote viewers who had apparently uh, remote viewed the uh, Roswell crash. If that makes huh. any sense to you? Yeah. That would I, that would be a way to possibly get some information if you have different people coming forward and responding to the MJ12 papers with some right some type of legit information <clears throat> you know it's like uh starting a almost like a police investigation you saw more of this like in the 70s yeah. and 80s where they'd bring in uh, psychics to help develop right. leads for uh different uh murder investigations and whatnot huh so it was almost just a cross between stirring the pot and a little bit of bait who knows who put knows? it out there who knows? Yeah, you who got to open your mind to different theories to try That's to it. get some insight what what these uh characters were up to now bill moore eventually came out and kind of admitted in in certain way to being part of dis- disinformation that was mm-hmm. it yeah, what, 89 Las Vegas conference, I think. Yeah, and part of that, like that part of that was the Dulce papers and different stuff. Mm. That, uh, John Lear, for instance, was uh, promoting. They had taken all these elements like the MJ12 uh, papers and the Dulce uh, papers and kind of wrapped them all together. And they were claiming, you know, uh, Lear and like Bill Cooper as well and a few other uh, Gonzo. Researchers started claiming, yeah, there was this uh, secret treaty that the uh, with the uh, aliens, and there was this uh, exchange program for alien technology, and in return they would get humans to experiment upon, which was going on. All right. Dulce, and even because uh, basically it was a dying alien race, and they needed to uh, find some way to. Uh, keep the race from dying out. And one of those things was extracting fluids from human babies, which the aliens also <laughs> also needed to consume to remain alive. And yeah, Dulce tied in with this uh, and all these uh, stories. And so that's what <clears throat> basically uh, Bill Moore came out against at that 1989 uh, MUFON symposium where he uh, basically – came clean with his knowledge that the Benowitz affair had turned into a disinformation uh, campaign and that there was these other researchers now. And he hints who they are. It's pretty obviously in his speech. He's talking about John Lear and Linda Moulton Howe, yeah. who had taken this uh, Dulce base story, uh, basically the Benowitz materials and this uh, took this all to a uh, crazy, more insane level by pushing, you know, uh, these stories of an alien invasion. So that's what Moore was uh, warning about: that uh, these people were pushing a bunch of uh, bullshit, and it all really came oh. originated from the uh, uh, disinformation campaign that was part of the uh, Benowitz affair. My gosh, yeah, Linda Moulton Howe. I, I just in like the, the last few years has seemed to gone even farther off the deep end. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, 
That's a shame because I, I really enjoyed a lot of her things, and then she just kind of shot off in the left field. Well, she's but, uh, she's kind of been out there for a while, and uh, yeah, when uh, these revelations in the uh, '80s started, uh, Benowitz, I told you, uh, Hal became uh, interest in, interested in the Benowitz case. This was after she had done the. Uh, Strange Harvest, the uh, cattle mutilation document, oh, yeah. which was pretty, which was pretty good, and uh, so she'd been tapped by HBO to do a uh, UFO documentary, and so she became interested <laughs> in these cases that Dodie was involved with, as well, uh, pumping out uh, disinformation or trying to confuse the facts. What happened, like the uh, Cash Landrum case right. for instance and also the Benowitz affair and so Doty this was like 83 <clears throat> right and this was before the uh, MJ12 papers uh, surfaced but he had uh, Linda Moulton Howe visit him at uh, Kirtland Base and he took her into a room and she writes about it in her book a uh, Alien Harvest, how it was kind of a spooky setting that she felt like uh, uh, it was just like something out of some uh, spy movie or something. Right. She was brought into this room and shown these uh, documents that all had, to, once again, had to do with this uh, secret treaty with the aliens and how there was an alien captivity and if she played her cards right she could uh interview the this alien and uh and even to this day she still stands by that story of the documents she was presented with that day and the story she was told by uh Doty was the real deal even though you know over the years you can see how this uh Doty is just has promoted one, you know, sketchy story after yeah. another and had his fingerprints all over a whole slew of uh sketchy uh documents that uh you know proposed to be uh, top secret UFO reports that uh for the most part appears to appear to have been hoaxed. I mean, being an investigator in this, there's got to be a point where you've just you've just found and then lost confidence in, and then found information, lost confidence in it, mm -hmm. to the point where you how, how do you even stay level with all right, all right? This is reality. We know this is reality. What is this? But yet I need to follow it to research it mm -hmm. to the end. And man, I don't know how you keep your head straight. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, it interests me uh, to get to the uh, root of a lot of these stories, and that's what I'd, I'm probably more interested in than you know trying to prove or disprove to myself that yeah. there's aliens or whatever, but just to kind of track back these stories and see uh, where they uh, began and how they evolved over the time, if there was any truth to begin with them at you know, the very onset. A lot, sure. of, a lot of disinformation or conspiracy theories have, a lot of, have the same element, I found, that, that the core of them, there is maybe a speck, 
or right. a, a nugget of uh, truth, you know, then they expand out and confabulate from that. But, you know, they can always point back at some uh, certain aspect of uh, a fact, you know. And so that yeah. lends credibility to a theory, even though as it, over time it uh, becomes more outlandish as people add different layers of uh, craziness onto it. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's like the uh, Dulce uh, base story. Maybe there was some type of uh, lab there or underground facilities. And yeah. that lab underground facility might also be at Kirtland Base. That's some of the theory theorizing that uh, actually Myrna Hansen was taken to uh, Kirtland. What, but whatever the uh, case, you know, that that's the kernel of uh, truth or reality that there are some of these uh, underground uh, bases, you know, and some of them might have been used as a uh, cover for, uh, you know, some type of MK Ultra weirdness whatever my labs right. thing to uh as part of some intelligence uh program to convince people or they had seen aliens when they had a ufo sighting or just to muddle the whole thing right or <laughs> who knows what the end goal is to spread this uh, yeah spread this meme throughout uh culture for whatever reasons and now we find ourselves in 2021 talking about Tic Tac UFOs. Where are we going? Do you have any idea of what this is about, where it's going? I mean, could they possibly be Chinese or earthbound foreign technologies? Because they always say that any technology we see was probably came about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And could we be seeing advanced earthbound technology that – you know, that maybe we're just going, ah, we see you. So how do we put it out there that we see you without panicking people? Oh, we'll just say it's aliens and no one will, <laughs> no one will believe anything. And could it, could it be even terrestrial? I mean, it's hard for me to believe that it's terrestrial and we're like, oh yeah, we don't know where it came from. We should at least know where it took off or where it went well, after this. Well, I mean, maybe there are, you know, some of the, all these different videos and this UA re, UAP report that uh, they put out basically saying uh, a percentage, a large percentage of these sightings, they kind of figured out what they are or what they uh, could be. And there's a small amount that uh, certain amount, I forget the percentages that they don't know what it is. But once again, uh, some of these class crafts once again could be ours and cl- be classified. So why would they, if they knew right. that, why would they tell us in their report? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I just don't see w- one country being so far ahead that we're just like we don't even understand this technology. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see them coming out going, "Oh, that's better." "Quote unquote cloaking technology, or they seem to have come up with a better engine, you know. But I'm still trying to figure out just what the hell a time crystal is. So I, mean, I don't know what's going on anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seemed, uh, you know, with this whole a tip thing, and that, uh, you know, to me it was 
lot of it was manufactured uh, to begin with, you know, as part of a lobbying campaign. Once again, this, uh, you know, kind of connects back to Bigelow and this whole group who have been involved in this type of research uh, into UFOs, uh, you know. So yeah. This seems like an ongoing uh, thing. And, you know, as far as, uh, once again, these uh, sightings, a lot of them – the ones that they were highlighting, promoting, trying to make a thing out of, happened in conjunction, you know, with like these aircraft carriers, and right. it's always over mi- military installations. So I mean, that's kind of a good uh, method. If the, these were yeah. our own crafts, craft to check on the vulnerability of uh, different installations or whatever with you know these type of drones or whatever they are and maybe to also see if they're military counterparts let's let's just say the whoever the uh, throwing a name out there not that the cia would do that but the, let's say the cia was uh doing that and uh to test the air force to see if they uh could hmm. f- could figure out what these uh, craft were. That's fascinating. Cause man, you just never know. Yeah. You know, it's it's <clears throat> it's I, so I, bizarre. I mean, they're always they're always <laughs> these these prominent sightings are always happening. Uh, once again, as I said, over military installations or uh, uh, aircraft carriers. You know, with the case of Benowitz, yeah. it's the same thing. You know, there was these strange lights over this uh, uh, weapons uh, storage facility where uh, nuclear arms were uh, stored. So Yeah, and then, then it seems like they would have the capability, according to reports, to just completely turn them off to prevent a launch. And it's yeah, that's, that is the way to do it. Why would you just show up over a major city, panic the populace, when you can just start by, all right, yeah, don't mess with us. Let's turn off. Let's turn off your nukes. Let's turn off this. <laughs> yeah. So we can get past that and discuss. Now uh, check this out. I didn't write about this in the book, and it kind of just uh, dawned on me recently. You know, so Doty and uh, Air Force uh, Security at Kirtland they were <clears throat> monitoring Benowitz. Uh, what the heck he was up to with? Uh, He's picking up all these signals and everything and supposedly creating a ray gun. And uh, during this one sighting, it was at, uh, I think it's termed the Coyote Canyon. Where they oh, saw, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've where, heard of that. Where they saw these UFOs. This happened in conjunction with, you know, this is near Albuquerque where the airport is. This happened, the sighting happened in conjunction with the uh, airport in Albuquerque basically going offline and losing power for several hours, (laughs) which obviously freaked people out, you know. So what what was going on uh, there? I mean, they're talking about these Tic Tac sightings now. Those didn't shut down (laughs) anything. (laughs) No. Apparently, something shut down the Albuquerque airport. What I think is possible is that uh, Benowitz was fucking around, you know, capturing these signals and maybe beaming stuff 
too, uh, to for whatever reasons, and he might have inadvertently <laughs> shut down the uh, airport for a few hours. Who knows? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know why the uh, Air Force would uh, do that. Uh, it, no. You know, it seemed more like a uh, mishap. Yeah, because it was just there. If they just wanted to hide something from radar, they'd have to probably do a lot more than just one airport. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, it's strange. It's all strange, and I think that's how they want it. Yeah. <laughs> they always want us to be kind of, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think. And I I know my grandfather had an experience seeing a cigar-shaped craft when he was in World War II. Mm. And... uh I have, which is, I have to find it because he, he made a drawing of it, and that's oh, all I wow. have. He's, he's passed now, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a just a. He was not a man of fancy, you know. He was very kind of stoic and everything. So for him to come up with something like this, I always found very out of character. So if you know, he said he saw it, he saw it, and he was stateside, so it isn't wasn't even like he was, you know, in Normandy or. He was in Sicily or the Pacific or anything. He was stateside in Army Air Corps. But, yeah, that's that's the first story that kind of got me sucked in. Then mm. I was just lucky enough to have parents that, again, you know, would always watch in search of. And <laughs> had Eric Von Daniken on the bookshelf. and Oh, of course, yeah. So, you know, but it's, uh, I don't know. I The more humans I meet, the more I want there to be aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's that's crazy. But uh oh, I've had you on. I'm taking up most of your day here. <laughs> but uh so where can people find you? I'm gonna definitely put your links to your to your books on Amazon and yep. your site and your blog as well. I have a bunch of uh websites and I need to think for a minute uh <laughs> <laughs> what they all are. There's uh, so there's Untamed Dimensions, which is a uh, website I've had for a long time. Then there's uh, more recently Chasing uh, UFOs blog that uh, I mentioned. uh, There's like a Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks resource page. And I basically launched that a couple of years ago just to kind of promote uh, this book, Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks, and also A is for Adamski. So, yeah, those uh, are my work on Discordianism. uh, You can find at a website called historiadiscordia.com there's adamgorightly.com uh, and as you said the uh, easiest way to get the books is to go directly to uh, Amazon yes and I'll link directly to your site there on Amazon because you got to get these books now I'm hooked so now I'm, I'm ordering <laughs> a couple more oh, great. <laughs> so you're probably going to be like alright you got to come on and talk about sure. Thornley or you're going to have to come on and talk about Manson and <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Adam and uh, stick around after uh, after we hang up here and we'll talk a little bit more off air Okay. but uh, thank you so much for being with us uh, you're welcome thanks for having me on absolutely and we'll be right back everyone
Hey, and we're back. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in again this month. And wow, it was what a great interview. I, just the story of Paul Benowitz alone, I think, is really fascinating and and on many levels just so weird. Because, I mean, he gets this computer from the government and the government seems to be fucking with him. So it, it's like all this other disinformation. You have no idea what to believe, what not to believe. Was he shady? Was the gut? Well, the government's shady. We know that. Cripes, this government. But ah, it's so bizarre. And then so many interlinking pieces, how you go from from Paul Benowitz all the way out to you know, whoever. I can't even come up with a name at the moment. It's been a long day. But I just how it expands and, and goes on into the MK Ultra um mythology and the dulcy base mythology but maybe it wasn't a mythology maybe it's just the only mythology was where it was located who knows i i don't even know what's going on here and i'm in delaware just the other day we had this boom you know just a phantom boom heard for miles and miles in all different directions and just before that the night before that because that, that had to be on wednesday about 11:30 in the morning there's just this huge boom and I'm wandering around the the house at that time going what the hell is that what made that sound I thought something huge fell over upstairs or a large branch had fallen down on the roof but I mean it was that loud huge kind of boom and uh, the night before there had been a really small earthquake near Col- I think around Columbia Maryland which is quite a good, you know, closer to D.C., I believe. And so I'm like, wow, has it been a, another small earthquake here? But they're like, the seismographic people are all, no, we're not getting anything on our sensors, so it must be from Aberdeen Proving Ground. Now, Aberdeen Proving Ground is a good distance away down in Maryland, but it, they do a lot of uh, ordnance disposal, so bomb disposal, so if they have... I assume since everyone's coming back from Afghanistan, they'll have a lot of ordnance to get rid of bunker busters or whatever. But how do you have a boom so big that it is heard, I don't know, what, 45 minutes to an hour north and sets off no seismographic things at all? It's just a random floating boom. I don't know. I don't know. I don't quite buy it. But that's what they're saying it was. Yeah, Aberdeen. Aberdeen's a weird little place. That's also where Edgemore Labs are. I believe it's called Edgemore. I believe it's Edgemore. And that was all part of the U.S. biological warfare and uh, psyops divisions were out of there. And I think that was actually connected to uh, to the MK Ultra. Projects. I think I said that MK Ultra before. I meant uh, Majestic 12. That's what was connected in the uh, the interview there, Majestic 12. But uh, Edgemore and University of Delaware were both connected to the uh, MK Ultra mind control CIA experiments in the uh, I think they were in the 60s, early 60s, and led to the uh, the acid tests, the uh, Kool Aid acid tests, which is where Grateful Dead and Many bands got their start just playing while the CIA handed out LSD. 
I really feel like I missed something because the CIA has not given me LSD, and I'm pretty sad about this. But all right, enough of all that. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening, and I really appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, the show is booked all the way to the end of the season, so we have some really, really cool shows coming up. I don't want to spoil it or give them away because I've learned that every time I announce a coming show, something happens and it doesn't take place. So mum's the word, but guaranteed really great shows and uh, maybe a few extras that I'm working on in there. Also, check out the YouTube page for Bizarro Aficionado. Um, I plan to get more and more content on there as well. So check that out. Uh, wherever you're downloading and getting your your uh, podcast or this podcast, please be sure to comment, subscribe. That is huge, huge, huge. Helps out the show. And uh, yeah, uh, the show has a phone number. I believe it's 302-709-1209. If you have a story you want to tell, I've had a weird encounter, or you have a suggestion for a show, or just want to tell me I suck, you know, whatever. It's through Google Voice, so it shouldn't cost you any ducats. And uh, just jump on in there, and maybe I'll play it on the show if you're nice to me. But anyway, I'm going to shut up. And uh, let's get out of here. And the uh, the closing music is by Adam Gorightly himself. So this is Human Stew by Adam Gorightly. And I'll see you around. Stay bizarro, everyone. This is flight number 914 from Earth to our planet. We will be taking off in three minutes. The UFOs are coming from another space inside.
Thank you. 